On this special episode of the ASC podcast with John Gailey, we visit the Washington Association of Ambulatory Surgery Centers 2023 Annual Education Conference and Trade Show at the Tulalip Resort and Spa in Tulalip, Washington. We discuss some of the sessions and meet with representatives from the association to talk about their activities. Welcome to the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers, Trivalence. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable data insights, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 206 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for November 9th, 2023, recording from the Tulalip Resort and Spa in Tulalip, Washington, and from our studios in Spencerport, New York. This is Sue Cronkite, the co-host of the ASC podcast with John Gailey and operations manager for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. We'd like to remind our listeners that the ASC regulatory environment is a rapidly evolving landscape, and the material presented in this episode is based on the most current information available as of the date of recording. As such, it is important to recognize that this information may be subject to change, and we advise all ASCs to stay up to date with the latest regulations and guidelines issued by their relevant regulatory bodies. Joining me today is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies and one of the most respected experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. With over 30 years of experience, Mr. Gailey has authored over 10 books on the ASC industry and is a sought-after speaker on regulatory accreditation and finance issues. So I had a, a wonderful trip up to Tulalip, uh, Washington. We, we, we have uh, been mispronouncing that for I don't know how long. And we always years. say, oh, we love saying that, Tulalip. <laughs> and then come to find out we weren't even saying it right. So I, uh, I didn't even know this last year when I visited with them. Uh, but it was a great uh, uh, conference. Sue, unfortunately, couldn't uh, make it with me, so I had to do it on my own. And and uh, we uh, we did agree this time that, uh, you know, the next time around we'll bring our studio with us. So, unfortunately, the uh, uh, we didn't have an opportunity to really – uh, record uh, any interviews except for an interview mm-hmm. with the board members, and and the quality of that is is uh, uh, is not the greatest um, because of yeah. basically having to use a uh, uh, a cell phone to record it. Mm-hmm. And um, you also you you were quite pressed for time. That's quite a trip out there. I what eight ten hour 
flights and then yeah. you couldn't stay too long to um, interview some of the other speakers. So we'll and try the next to plan we it go, a little we'll, better. We'll have some time. fun, you yeah. know, while we're up it's there too. I'll, I'll tell you though, Sue, it was, uh, it, there were a lot of great speakers, uh, you know, and I wish I could have interviewed some of them and, and mm-hmm. indeed we will try to uh, get uh, at least one of them uh, on our podcast in the future. Uh, so I'm going to do the best I can to kind of talk about, you know, some of the, uh, the presentations we had. And of course, we'll have our interview with members of the board of directors there. Mm-hmm. So the first session was with Sharon Lacey, and she's a comic. Her uh, session was entitled Turn Your Challenges into Opportunities. And I and she, I just had a lot of fun. There really wasn't uh, anything that I could pull out of it that would necessarily be uh, a good uh, thing to discuss on the podcast. But I, I, you know, so what's nice about this sometimes is you do realize that we live in a pretty funny business, if you think about it. Uh, and, uh, and she was able to find some humor and also kind of talk about how important it is to use humor in your daily uh, operations. Uh, The second session was with uh, uh, Barbara Harmer. She, like myself, has been in the industry for quite a long time, and she does quite a bit of, uh, quite a number of presentations on the speaking tour. And uh, they had her do a presentation on a nurse manager is more than a title. And so I really uh, enjoyed this presentation. You know, we talk on the podcast and we talk in our boot camps a lot about leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a completely different take on it. Well, not a completely different take, but she had a different mm-hmm. approach to it. Yeah. And I thought it was uh, uh, very enlightening. And I, I took some notes. I'm just going to go through some of the uh, the notes that uh, that I took while I was there. She talked about the importance of clarity and leadership and the need to provide direction about how work should be accomplished. Talking about how important it is as a nurse leader to work very closely with your nurses. Mm-hmm to help them to be the best they they can be. And of course that is one of our our ongoing themes at the uh, in our boot camps. Uh but I think she uh she really um talked about how important it is to develop very clear standards and metrics against which, you know, professional performance is measured, uh, including interpersonal skills. She was very forthright about some of the challenges that we find uh, in working with our staff when there's mm-hmm. interpersonal issues uh, between our staff. And instead of, uh, you know, kind of ignoring them or running away from them, she said, you know, how important it is to confront them. Mm-hmm. And holding the professionals we work with accountable uh, for their behavior, mm-hmm. be it positive or negative, um, and to also build a culture of accountability. She made a, a statement which I thought was quite enlightening. She said, leadership is action, not a position. And I think that is so true that, you know, when you get in, you know, a lot of people go into these positions thinking that they're going to be, um, you know, having people report to them. And yet mm-hmm. we often t- uh, talk about how uh, it's really the opposite, that a good leader is somebody that works with others, works that for, serves yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. And she talked about uh, something that I think we often don't look at right away, and that is the nursing code of ethics. Uh, you, of course, being a nurse, you you are well aware of it in, mm-hmm. in your education. Uh, but those of us in, in uh, administration uh, don't ever really think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because as she was talking about it, here I am on my computer pulling Looking it up, up. <laughs> uh, to look at it. And indeed, uh, she, she really pointed out a couple things. And, and honestly, in fairness, it's not something that... I think most people go back and look at after their education. Right. So, you know, that's a good point, too. Maybe kind of, you know, remind yourself of those things. Just like the Nursing Practice Act, too. You know, mm-hmm. so often we just assume we know what's exactly in there. And yet when we get into it, we find something very different. Um, and one of the things that she pulled out of it in particular is that it's part of the the code of ethics is to protect and be accountable to oneself and to the general public, which I thought found interesting because, uh, first of all, the, the whole um, 
mention of oneself, but also I found it interesting how the second part of that is to the general public instead of to patients, which takes a much broader approach to their responsibilities, which really uh, gets into the next section. She talked about the different types of accountability, such as self, to peers, uh, to your employer, uh, to the patients, of course, and to society as, an, uh, as a whole. And it was here that they talked. she talked about uh, how, to, how important it is to keep up with the changes and don't become stale. And I think that's something that we sometimes feel with some of our nurses that have been there for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. They, they just uh, they don't necessarily keep on top of things like they might have when they were younger. Uh, but I think it's something important that uh, younger people need to think about, too, is how mm-hmm. uh, they, too, need to uh, you know uh, make sure that they don't stop learning once they get out of school. Yeah, Amy had a—we'll probably talk about this on a future podcast, but she had seen— an article about rusting out, yeah. and they're talking about how, you know, there was for a while a lot of burnout in with COVID, and now, though, people, they're seeing a lot of people that are just kind of floating along in their jobs. They're not excited. They're not learning more, and that just they're not giving the best patient care just because they're not doing that. So that kind of addresses it, you know, keeping up with it and, and keeping your excitement and your, your abilities up. Right, and I think that, you know, it's... As we all know, we're so busy right now, and the nurses are really, you know, in many cases, we find ourselves in an understaffed position because we just can't hire enough. I think it's easy to, to forget how important it is to stay on top of that. Continuing with the different types of accountability, uh, the next one was the nursing profession. In other words, being uh, nurses being um, accountable to their nursing profession. And she really encouraged people to get involved, even if it's in a small way with the professional organizations that um, that they might you know join, uh, might be part of, such as ARN or ASPAN. Mm-hmm. And then I think the most enlightening part of the conversation is talking about those situations where nurses find that they're working in an environment that is not safe. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen often, of course, but uh, but she did say that, and, and I've said this too before, that we have to, that as a nurse, you have a responsibility to the patient to make sure that they are taken care of well and that they are, you know, being protected. You're the nurse, you're the patient's advocate. So what she talked about is the importance of speaking up and, but, but using the process that has been laid out by their, the employer first uh, and make sure that you know what those, uh, those processes are, know what the policies and the proper protocols are within your organization. And then she also emphasized that you don't just refuse to do something. You you, you speak up first uh, and explain to your leadership uh, why you can't do that, be it that it's not part of the nursing practice at, uh, or that it's not safe for the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, acknowledging the importance of, of uh, using the process that has been laid out by the employer. She talked a lot about complainers or, or uh, the Debbie Downers out there, you know, know when it's time to move on. In other words, if you're one of those individuals that complains too much, maybe you're just not happy where you are. Or maybe it's time to move on to other places. And she also emphasized how difficult it is for uh, people uh, to work with a lot of, of very negative people. Uh, and then you just shouldn't let it go. You should find ways to fix it. Being it, if you're the one that is upset, you know, try to find a way to participate more or just decide that it's time to move on. And then if you're one of those that are having to work with people like that, you know, mm-hmm. step in and try to find a solution to that problem mm-hmm. rather than accept it. Yeah. And then I did a uh, presentation on financial and clinical benchmarking. Uh, 
focused uh, quite a bit about the differences between internal and external benchmarking, noted that internal benchmarking is the process of comparing various various relevant data elements to the in the ASC across time periods. And that, uh, in contrast, external benchmarking is the process of comparing various relevant data elements in the ASC with other organizations within their peer group, be that other ambulatory surgery centers that do the type of specialties that you have or comparing yourself to other surgery centers in your area. Uh, or of the same size. You choose what to, what to compare yourself against. And we talked about the different types of resources out there, including, uh, you know, Becker's ASC. We talk about them quite a bit. Working with ASCA, who has their uh, benchmarking program. And, you know, many of the state associations also have benchmarking programs too. We talk about the benefits of benchmarking. It provides uh, quantitative comparative data to assist an organization in decision making and to support quality improvement activities. And it is something that is indeed required by the accreditation organizations. And it's a way of developing best practices by working collaboratively with industry peers. And it provides information to support an organization's compliance with regulatory requirements in addition to accreditation requirements. And I did mention to them the uh, regulatory requirements uh, surrounding benchmarking, which comes out of 416.43a of the uh, conditions for coverage, and that uh, it's in the program scope standard, which states the program must include but not be limited to an ongoing program that demonstrates measurable improvement in patient health outcomes and improve pa- improves patient safety by using quality indicators or performance measures associated with improved health outcomes and by the identification and reduction of medical errors. The ASC must measure, analyze, and track quality indicators, adverse patient events, infection control, and other aspects of performance that includes care and services furnished in the ASC. So it doesn't state specifically that you have to do benchmarking, but it implies it by the fact that you have to be comparing this data uh, to other uh, data, both internally and externally. And then I did give an example of an accreditation requirement, which actually comes from HHC, and it's standard 5D, which is in the COAPI program section. And it states that ongoing data collection processes are in place to measure quality and to identify quality-related program problems or concerns. And goes on to mention that the organization's performance has to be compared to internal and external benchmarks. And the information and data obtained through the data collection processes is evaluated on an ongoing basis to identify the existence of unacceptable variation or results that require improvement. And then standard 5J mentions external benchmarking stating the organization participates in external benchmarking activities that compare key performance measures with other similar organizations with recognized best practices and or national or professional targets or goals. So I really spent a lot of time, Sue, trying to convince the audience, and, and it wasn't a hard job, uh, that benchmarking, both internal and external, is not just something you do because it's required from a regulatory and accreditation mm-hmm. standpoint, but there really are some benefits to it. Yeah, you have to really act on some of the results that you see, there's a reason for doing it. Yeah, and that, that is indeed what I kind of focused on and, and mentioned that, you know, we need to be focusing not just on clinical benchmarks, which tends to be the thing that, that we as surveyors find when we go out, but also financial benchmarks. And then I, I did mention one other free benchmarking um, resource, which is ASCQuality.org, which we use extensively within our organization. And they tend to use quality measures that come along with the ASC Medicare Quality Reporting Program. And then I did encourage people to use ASCA's quarterly benchmarking product also 
uh, since it has very good uh, clinical benchmarks and a few financial benchmarks. I was also very impressed with a presentation by Alexander Reinadal from the uh, Washington Department of Health. And I did have an opportunity to actually sit down with him and talk to him uh, briefly over lunch. And what he, uh, he, he did a presentation, is your facility on the top 10 most frequently cited federal ASC violations? What are they and how to write a plan of correction for them? And he did a good uh, presentation uh, really from a regulatory standpoint. And I, I didn't feel too like he was uh, a regulator in many ways. He was very uh, engaging. He was very entertaining. Uh, and yet he did point out, you know, how important it is to maintain the regulations there. And I, what I really was impressed with him, uh, what really impressed me about him is that he really wants to make sure surveyors are more collaborative uh, as much as they can be and still be those gatekeepers for the regulations. And uh, I briefly uh, heard a, a presentation on surgical smoke by Grant Tripp, and he was from Stryker, which makes some of the smoke evacuation equipment. Uh, and he reminded us of the dangers of surgical smoke and referred to the new regulations in uh, the state of Washington that will require smoke evacuation systems. And he noted that increasingly states are implementing regulations that required ASCs and other surgical providers to install these smoke evacuation systems. So um, I thought, uh, you know, even though he was a, a vendor, uh, he had a very good take on, on the whole thing. And, and it is something if your state doesn't yet do this, keep in mind that you might be in the future. But if you are in the state of Washington and listening to this, know that those new regulations take effect in 2024. And I also had a great time with many of the vendors. I want to uh, give a, a shout out to our friends over at MedServe, which who have a uh, a great product for pharmacy. I'll mm -hmm. give a link in the um, in the uh, show notes here. Uh, but we Sue, you and I, they were a sponsor of one of our mm -hmm. uh, podcasts back. I think it was in 2019, okay. and they have a a product that works for. Uh, scheduled drugs, you know, that mounts on the wall and then is controlled by a computer, you know, a keypad access to it. And now it has an, a web-based interface that allows yeah. you okay. to keep track of that information that way. So we're keeping a very close eye on them. And then lastly, I had an opportunity to interview Jamie Fowler and Roman Daniels-Brown. Uh, Jamie is the president of WASCA, the Washington State Association, and uh, Roman Daniels-Brown is the lobbyist. So let's listen to that interview now. As a leader in the ambulatory surgery industry, you already know that the ASC podcast with John Gailey is your ultimate free resource for staying updated with the latest news and information while ensuring your organization maintains regulatory and accreditation compliance. But did you know that we have two membership programs on our partner website, ASC Central, that can take your organization to the next level? For just $25 a month, our patron program will unlock a host of amazing benefits. Enjoy regular Zoom meetings with our hosts and special guests, access to recorded conferences like our credentialing seminar, conditions for coverage conference, medical director conference, and our most recent two-day multi-state conference. The patron program also offers a comprehensive database of policies, forms, drills, example minutes, and other invaluable resources to optimize your center's operations. For those centers that want even more, our new ASC Central Premium Access Plan offers a variety of online services to its members. 
The benefits include access to a wide range of services, including all of the benefits of the patron program, unlimited access to our popular boot camps, the ASC industry's most comprehensive training for ASC leadership. Members can attend any number of the ASC Administrator Boot Camps and ASC Director of Nursing Boot Camps and can listen to the recordings throughout their membership. It also includes unlimited access to the industry's most comprehensive infection control training designed for infection control coordinators and those that wish to take the Certified Ambulatory Surgery Center Infection Preventionist exam. And the program also includes up to five hours of private consultations by Zoom. For more information about these two programs, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com or click on the links in the show notes. John Gailey. I'm here at the WASCA, the, the Washington Ambulatory Surgery Center Association Annual Conference and Exhibits, right? Correct. Here in beautiful Tulalip, Washington. Tulalip. That was close. So we've been pronouncing it wrong for all this time? <laughs> oh my goodness. So Sue and I just love using that word, so that's why we always give you so much uh, you know, announcement before the conference. We start announcing you about a year before your conference. Tulalip. Tulalip. Mm-hmm. So for three years I've been using the wrong name. There is a Tulip Festival down the road, so maybe you're combining the two. But yeah. Well, I, it's great to be here, and I'm here with Roman Daniels-Brown, who is a lobbyist for WASCA. And I'm here with Jamie Fowler, who is the president of the board, which always seems to me like a sentence as opposed to uh, an appointment. It's only a two-year sentence. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. So this is our first time actually doing a, a conversation with the board and with the lobbyist. And uh, I thought it would be good just to kind of get a little bit more information about the association. So why don't we start with you, Jamie? Uh, tell us a little bit about the organization, you know, how many members you have, and a little bit about how uh, the organization works during the year. Okay. Um, so we have around 100 and I think it's around 170 different ASCs that we represent within Washington State. WASCA provides um, a couple annual conferences. Right. So we do this one that we're at right now, and then we also will do a symposium towards the beginning of the year, and then occasionally we'll also do an ASF licensing um, seminar as well to provide members with some updates. But we're really just focused on providing education to the membership. Right. Um, different things that are going on within the state, um, healthcare reform, clinical quality, those types of things. I'll tell you one thing that's interesting here. Uh, I go to a lot of state association meetings, and uh, Alexander from the Department of Health, yes. I've seen him a couple times. Yes. He actually recognized me when I came up and introduced myself. We're working with his uh, department on a project here in Washington State, and he recognized me, and we had a great conversation. i got to tell you, I have never seen that happen in any other state association. So, yeah. And the fact that he's spending yes. this long here. So how did you work that out, or does, is that a sign of your relationship with them? Yeah, it is. So... Um their DOH always comes to the conferences, and yeah. it's probably been over the last six or seven years we've developed that relationship with them. Um, we just work so closely with them, and the members, I think, like seeing DOH here yeah. um, and represented because, you know, they, as they have questions, they want to know who the face is that they're talking to. Um, and it gets them to see you guys, you know, that, and, and the types of conversations that occur during the conference and um, how closely the... Uh, um, they ask questions. I, I just uh, finished a, a presentation. A lot of great feedback, and frankly, it's a topic that I often speak about, but don't often get questions. 
and yet your group did. So congratulations. That's such a great thing. Tell us a little bit about how you put together this year's conference. I don't know if you were involved in uh, determining the schedule. but Yeah, so we try and have it um, around this time every year. And we do have an education committee that meets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a survey at the end of this conference to get feedback from the members, which is something that we're always you know, wanting. Uh, we want to make sure that we're providing relevant content to them um, because we're here serving them. And so we will gather that information. Um, a lot of times we have people who will come to us because they want a speaking um, opportunity. So yeah. um, we'll work with them. And your uh, your keynote speaker, the the first speaker of the day, she was funny. She was a, a humorist or a, yeah. a, a what do you call it, the comedian. comedian yeah. uh, and she really got things rolling. I remember last year you had a pretty good speaker too for the first. Yeah, one. I can't we, remember who it was. Tend to get pretty lucky with finding good keynote. You speakers, do. Yeah. And then my friend Barbara Harm, Harmon talked yes. <laughs> great conversation. I'm not going to be able to interview her before the special episode comes out, but we're going to be talking to her soon. And she talked about uh, nursing leadership. She really had a completely different. Um, angle to it this time, didn't she? Yeah. I thought that was interesting how uh, she approached it. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll have talked about that before this interview comes on okay. the, the podcast, so don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, your next one, do you, do you have a date for the next one? We do. It's in it's in November, I okay. think, but yes. Next year. Well, we'll get it that information year, yeah. from you. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about the, members, the, the benefits of membership here. So what, what do your members get? Um... Well, that's something that we're actually working on. Um, so right now it's, you know, the education, which I talked about a little bit ago. We do have a, um, a listserv, so all of our members are a part of that. So if there's questions that, you know, any of the members have, that will go out to the entire group. Um, and we are actually working at looking to see what other benefits that we can provide mm-hmm. for the membership. So that's something that we actually had a board meeting last night and met about. Um, you had talked about benchmarking, which right. is something that we have not done in a really long time, actually. Um, so probably looking at a platform that we can try and get something like that put together, I think would be beneficial. Actually, New York has a unique program because there's no, it's not, it's a single topic, like every quarter. So like we just did one last quarter on, um, on wait time and uh, we just send the information out. So it's a good way to kind of slide into it yeah. and give your, your members some benefit that's something that's relevant to them. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be glad to share that yeah, with definitely. you. And I know we've been talking, I've been talking to some of the, the uh, members here too, or some of the uh, leadership here about the possibility of doing, uh, of having you guys participate in the multi-state conference, which is a conglomeration. Right now, f- last year was five, uh, five organizations, next year we'll have 10. So I'd be glad to, yeah. be great to have your organization on there yeah, too. definitely. We'll provide a link to uh, membership information and the website for uh, for the organization. So, what's you know, you as the president, what's been your what, what's been the major part of your time this year? Uh, what's been the biggest challenge? I know you got things going on. You have a lobbyist, obviously. You talk to the Department of Health. Has there been any major things this year? Yeah, I was just going to say I, I'm going to pass it over to Roman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on some of the things that that's going on within Washington State that we're um, that we're working on. Absolutely. So, Roman, uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you. I think uh, one, you know, one of the major components that WASCA has is an advocacy arm, and that's mm-hmm. where uh, I work with Emily Studebaker, who's the executive director, and I live down in Olympia, so I'm there regularly talking mm-hmm. to legislators and agency folks, so um, always looking for ways to help uh, uh, ambulatory surgery centers you know, work more efficiently, yeah. have better interactions with legislators as well as with agency folks. Um, we had a, we've had a few... 
few uh, issues with DOH in recent um, months and years uh, relating to construction review time yeah. cycles and how fast that's going, which is not very fast. We've had issues with fire marshal um, as far as what, what um, facilities can and can't do as far as putting up walls in between yeah. their um, their clinics and their um, surgery centers. Yeah, you're talking about the separation issue, which separation issue, was which, talking about today. Well, yeah, yeah so, so which was in interesting because we found out that it was a um, there was a determination that was made by the fire marshal here that we had to have walls for um, for facilities uh, yeah. in between in their their waiting rooms, and it came to find out it was just some individual in San Francisco that had made a comment to a fire marshal here, which then turned into the the, the decision by the fire marshal in this state and it yeah. delayed folks for months so uh, working through those kind of things well i found it interesting we have uh, a client that had an issue with a uh, shared uh, waiting area mm -hmm. and i'll tell you there's no other state in the country that we're in where they actually allow that anymore oh, so uh, the waivers that you've had are not what's happening nationwide so we'll have to see how that occurs and of course it really depends upon your your um, you know, the, the regional office of Medicare and what they decide to do on that. But yeah. that'll be an interesting challenge moving forward, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Then on the legislative side, it's been a lot of defense. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've had multiple bills relating to healthcare cost transparency boards, which would give them authority to set benchmarks and to come in and find different um, facilities if they aren't mm -hmm. meeting certain benchmarks. So we have fought back those efforts uh, successfully. Um, Mergers and acquisitions is another issue that continues to come back. Um, mm -hmm. That would there's a bill out there that would allow the attorney general to basically have approval or denying authority in any kind of merger uh, or affiliation uh, for provider groups as well as hospitals yeah. and other folks. So those are of concern. And that would be very unusual in the industry. I, again, I don't know of any state that has that sort of. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty big overreach. It even yeah. allows them to do a ten year look back to make sure you're meeting so. certain metrics and. Um, so those are extremely problematic, and, and those bills are alive and coming back again this next year. Yeah, and just so. to repeat, because you're talking about the Department of Health actually having oversight the for attorney, a ten-year. I'm sorry, the, the attorney, attorney general's, general's office, right, yeah, for ten years after you've already been given permission yeah. to open, and then kind of I, like in New York, for example, you know, there's a there's a five-year time frame on a temporary license for uh, proving that you're providing the right amount of charity care. A ten-year time yeah. frame would be quite a bit of an overreach, I would think. So. Pretty extensive, for sure. Now, is there much of a chance of that getting through, do you think, or is it hard to tell? Uh, they passed something similar to it a few years ago that was a softer version of it, and okay. then they've been trying ever since. They, as in the majority, certain members in the majority have been pushing hard for this. So, right. Um, right. They have been indicated they're coming back again to try again, so they haven't had the support yet. And part of that is our effort in going right. through and educating folks on what that means and when it's a tough market already and you're making it more difficult to consolidate when, yeah. when you need to, um, that's that's problematic. So, so and I think that gets to an uh, important topic here that we always talk about when we're doing these special meetings is how important it is to be active with your state association or a member of it. And, of course, I believe you have a PAC too, right? Um, we do, yeah. Yeah, so why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, the benefits of membership from the standpoint of what yeah. of your representing them in, in uh, the state capitol. Yeah, we, we oftentimes just get calls from members who are having an issue with, um, with an agency or if they're just having troubles with a certificate of need or some kind of law that's mm -hmm. causing problems and we go to work for them. So, right. And that's that's what our job is, is to try and get resolutions to them on things they've been stuck on, maybe with an agency. Yeah. Um, and part of that is 
there is a pack. Um, some members contribute into that pack, and and we go and support legislators that have kind of the same mindset that we do right. on on how um, ASCs are benefiting our communities, and and we use those opportunities to go and um, establish relationships that will be helpful as people are taking votes in Olympia. And are you doing that on a regular basis, meeting with legislators and all year round? Yeah, all year so round. During the legislative session, I'm down on the um, I'm on the Capitol every single day, yeah. and um, outside of that, typically I'm going to um, legislators' districts around the state and meeting with them there as their candidates or right. whatever else. So. so again, we want to emphasize the importance of being a member of a state assembly. We we talk about this nationally with all of our right. our listeners, but you know when you have legislative efforts like that that are that could be quite onerous yeah. to the uh, the industry. Uh, it's, it shows how valuable it is to have that ongoing contact with an organization that's on your side. And I think you, you mentioned something, too, that, that you go to bat for them. Yeah. You know, absent that, you're going to have to hire an attorney that often doesn't know the industry and doesn't know what, what you're fighting for. So I'm sure there's quite a bit of value to that. So Yeah, there, there's a common phrase in Olympia that if you're not at the table, you're on the table. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty true statement. That's if you're good. not at the table negotiating and part of those conversations, um, typically you're the ones that are getting the hits. So. Right. I want to thank both of you. This is great. Um, we're uh, hope to be invited back next year. Maybe we'll bring the studio and we'll interview some of the uh, uh, the speakers too. Yeah, uh, which is what we try to do. That we just didn't have the time to make all that work out this year. But we uh, we assure you we'll try to do that. We'll speak a lot about the the speeches that at least I've been able to listen to. So yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And again, I had a great time with the Washington Ambulatory Surgery Center Association Conference in Tulalip, Washington, and I'm and I can't wait to uh, get back there next year. I want to thank everybody that uh, was uh, so gracious during the conference and the state association for allowing me to do an interview. This episode of the ASC podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, Trivalence, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Surgical Information Systems provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable insights. Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies is the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCpodcast.com. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you are interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.